Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you are watching. Middle of the night would be me to another episode of To Live and Buy in LA, Los Angeles. I am Zach Goldsmith here with my super dweeb co host. <laughs> That's me, Ben Bellax, super you. dweeb. And you're welcome. It's what we've all been thinking. But he does well. It's, it's working for him. I'm rich. <laughs> if you're wondering about the jacket, he'll go into a two minutes on how he picked that up at a secondhand store. And that's where he gives back. And it's really nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have the same handlebar mustaches from last time because it's worked very well. Uh I haven't seen anyone, but I've just, that's which is why I've kept it. I like it. Did you notice that we switch sides? I noticed it. I actually like it better over here. Do you? Mm-hmm. I I cannot operate from the right side. I can't do anything for the. I can't spoon from the right side. You ever tried spooning from the right side? I, I cannot spoon from that side. You ever do that? I'm a. This is my power side. I don't know why. I can't. I can't even figure out how to spoon from this. It's uncomfortable. Okay, I see someone didn't take his Adderall today. No, Let's I take- did take my Adderall, which is why I'm so adamant about spooning <laughs> for the right side. Anyway, <laughs> I want to get into a hot topic okay. right now in this city specifically. Very controversial. Not for me. Very angry. Oh, okay. It Well, listen, there's two sides to everything. There's mm-hmm. three sides. Yeah. Right? The last being the truth, which yes. is something I'm going to teach you in one of the episodes. Can't wait. Um. Measure ULA is yes. a big deal in our city, and it's something else contributing to driving traffic away, and it hurts everyone. Not just my opinion. Ben, do I speak for you? I want to be really careful here and just say that we this is not a political show, and we want to not make anyone upset, but we did a little bit of research. We looked around in a very laissez-faire way, as most Americans do now, and have formulated a strong opinion. From No. So this measure has tremendous intentions, of course, because we have a homelessness epidemic in Los Angeles. Everyone in Los Angeles feels it. Every single neighborhood. Every neighborhood. Um, it is... Yeah, our city has changed. I've lived in in Southern California now for over 20 years. I know you've lived here your whole life, so 70 years. And I just um I want to be careful, but the thing is is we are paid advisors. We didn't rise to where we are by holding back our feelings about things. Um but we are going to make some references to this this report that a department of UCLA put out last year. And I also think it helps that we're giving these opinions because we're very well advised on the subject. Mm -hmm. We're very well educated. We've studied all sides, Mm -hmm. ins and outs. We know the benefits. We know the ramifications. And I think that most voters are uninformed I'm uninformed when it comes to half things. I don't even fill out half the things on the ballot. When I don't mm. know something, I don't fill it out. The rest, mm-hmm. I'm worried. I'm, I'm wondering, wondering how skewed my opinion is based on ads I've seen. I think this is just like sales. The way this was created, the way this was billed and sold as a measure, I think was very theatrical and very obvious why it passed. Will you tell them what this is 
called on the ballot? Yes, absolutely. So Measure ULA was a was on our ballot last November and it was voted in. And it was designed to increase taxes on the sales of properties valued $5 million or above in the city of Los Angeles. And it was... Starter homes. <laughs> yeah, starter homes. Um, it is meant to raise an estimated $900 million annually for subsidized housing development, housing acquisition, and rehabilitation, rent assistance, and other housing and homelessness-related purposes. Now, the study that we're going to talk about today, or we're going to reference, is from the UCLA Lewis Center for Regional Policies. The Ralph and Goldie Lewis Center for Regional Policy Studies is a research center in the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs. The Lewis Center advances research on how people live, move, and work in the Los Angeles region with a focus on policies and interventions that provide paths out of poverty. Since 1989, Lewis Center scholars and staff have produced high-quality research on transportation access, housing affordability, labor, and many other topics with a focus on the policy impact on vulnerable populations. So, What, did they pay you for that sponsorship? They, they have not paid me yet, but I do think that it, is, owe you. it is important to understand that they are doing research that focuses on the policy impact on vulnerable populations. So this isn't this isn't going to be a study that is biased towards wealthy people or uh, pe- this isn't some reporter for a network. This is UCLA. Yep. This is coming from a completely unbiased and uh, organization that studies all of this. So it's, exactly. it's relevant. Okay, so let me, before we get into this discussion here, let me just talk about exactly what the measure is. It's pretty simple, okay? For those of you that don't know or not homeowners yet. Transfer taxes are one-time taxes levied on the sale or transfer of real estate, meaning if you're a homeowner and you sell your home, you are assessed transfer taxes. Um in our marketplace, as long as I've been in the business, which is since 2011, the seller by market conditions and default on our contract, meaning the boxes we check as real estate professionals, the seller pays those transfer taxes. In most California cities, transfer taxes are low, usually 0.45% of a property sales price and flat applying the same rate to a property sold for 500000 to one that has sold for $50 million. So same rate. So it's seeking to shore up government budgets and increase the share of taxes collected from wealthy property owners, voters in many California cities have recently approved higher and more progressive transfer taxes, that is, higher tax rates for more valuable properties. And in this case, if a property sells for $5 million, the tax the transfer tax increase goes to 4.5% from 0.45%. 4%. I'm sorry, 4%. And that's anywhere from 5 to $10 million mm-hmm. is a 4% tax. <clears throat> right. So is a for, 4% tax that was not there prior to this measure. That's right. It was just the 0.45%. Now it's 4%. And then if your home is... <coughs> If your home sells for $10 million, 
the transfer tax rate goes to 5.5%. And I keep seeing saying home, this also applies to multifamily residences commercial. Same well, thing. Well, the, you know, we'll get into that when you're ready. Okay. But that is one of the biggest points I want to hit and what it is contributing to the largest issues I see moving forward for this city. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the report for one more second just to kind of help us along here. Nerd. Go ahead, man. Two years ago, they published a report analyzing the revenue potential of a progressive transfer tax in Los Angeles. The report suggested that the city should adopt a higher and more progressive transfer tax and included several recommendations for the design of the tax, some of which were not included in the final draft of the measure. Here are the recommendations. One, the tax should apply broadly. This would increase tax revenues and make them more consistent year to year. It would also spread the burden of the tax more evenly and signal owners of less valuable properties have also benefited from Los Angeles's real estate market and can afford to contribute. The final version here did not include all homeowners. There was an arbitrary number taken out of the sky of $5 million. Right. So your argument is if you sold a $3 million house, why are you not taxed the same as a five or 10? Or by the way, it's 10 plus. So if you sell a $40 million house, you're paying 5% extra on that. Five and, and a half. Right. And five and a half. And why, are peop- why would people care? 99% of the voters are never going to have a house even close. So why not tax the rich? Why not? Well, and by the way, it's not the first time that we've done this, but what I think my feeling initially when I first saw this was, why are we targeting any class? In our country for so long, we've come so far and we have so much further to go in not targeting a class. Why are we targeting a class? And why is it if I sell my home for four nine 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 nine? I'm not subject to, but for one penny more, I am subject to. It just seems preposterously uh, um, fabricated. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Pulled out of nowhere. It just doesn't make any sense. And and so that that brings us to to number two here, which is the tax. uh, I'm sorry. These are the recommendations from the report from UCLA. Because the proposed tax is not assessed on the marginal dollar. It introduces sharp discontinuities in tax liability. It's exactly what I just said. A property sold for $4.9 million would pay no new taxes, but a property sold for $5 million would pay an additional $200,000, for example. Now, if I'm a business manager and I'm advising my client who's not from LA and we have a lot of buyers in our buyer pool that are not from Los Angeles... I'm advising them whether or not they should buy a property, one particularly that has built-in objections, like it's on a busy street or it's it's a reverse floor plan with fairly an amazing view, but there's a much more narrow bandwidth of buyers for that property. They buy it for, they're like, this is a great deal. It's 4-3. It's it needs a lot of work. We're going to add value. Isn't the business manager turning to them and saying, well, hey, if the market shifts and it sells for 5-1, you're going to have to pay $200,000 worth of taxes, and that's going to eat up all of the equity 
particularly if you have to sell in a shorter period of time than you plan to. It's going to shake up so many things that are unjust. And I don't even, I think that's a great example. I think you have to look at also, they're not considering how many people have money, not just, not just uh, uh, contractors, developers, how many regular folks who, who are investors in real estate have millions and tens of millions of dollars out there right now live in properties that are being built or being permitted or being finished that will all be subject to this tax that was not otherwise there a few months ago. That's just one breed that is affected right now unjustly. And it's and 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 there's so many more. We're going to get into the biggest one. I feel like that are causing a big trickle down effect. We can get into mm-hmm. that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a we'll get into why it affects our city. But I, I want to address the homeless issue as well. And if you want to talk about that after you've read your uh, list, <laughs> the third thing is is that new still going new housing developments should be exempt from the tax if their first sale is made within several years of completion and and they didn't they didn't include this exemption so now this is what i'm talking about yeah every let's just before we talk about multifamily every developer in town let's say so there are many homes in LA that take two and a half three years to build since the pandemic the los angeles department of building and safety has not been the fastest of municipal organizations so sellers have been waiting and waiting and waiting for inspections, reinspections. The utility departments come out, and now all of a sudden, because the house isn't permitted and it's not finished 30 days prior to April 1, because most escrows are 30 days, now all of a sudden they're subject to this insane attack on their bottom line. And it's super risky to be a home builder. It's it, super it's, risky. It's risky to be a homeowner at this point. <laughs> It is. And like, I feel like with the developers, right? It's like, what is their, what's like, they, they, like when, when you work with a developer, it's like, what, what it, let's say you're sending a developer a pocket listing, you underwrite it for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're, and, and they're looking at, generally speaking, a 30% return on their money to take a risk like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So like 30% to buy it, 30% or so to build it and cost of sale. And then they, they want that 30%. Returns so because there's a cost of sale, there's the agents, et cetera, et cetera. And like, in as our market has become so overheated in the last cycle, they have their margins are they're not 30 percent anymore, they're like 20 percent. Oh, it's cut drastically. I mean, if you look at just a five million dollar sale now, you're paying what like an additional two hundred thousand dollars. I've got a property in escrow right now. If we don't close before April 1st, they're going to pay a million dollars additional. And you think to yourself, mm-hmm. well, great to have people listening. That million dollars goes towards homelessness, goes towards fighting homelessness. The fact is, anything that's the biggest problem in our city right now, arguably. Not that in traffic. There's, there's, there's a handful we could talk about. I love this city. It's not being managed well right now mm-hmm. and hasn't for a while. And homelessness is one of our biggest issues that needs to be curbed. You and I both contribute a lot to trying to solve this problem. Uh, we do it on hand and foot and monetarily. The city has so much money in reserves to fight homelessness. 
Throwing additional money like this is not going to help the mismanagement that has happened in the past. That's not going to change. It's just throwing more money at an existing problem. The management, the organization, the structures need to change. You don't need to fine and violate people who are being become who have become successful and drive business out of this city and state. That is mm-hmm. not the object. It should be reversed. Yeah, because th- those people do give people jobs. And also, um, I guess the thing, you know, I-, I mentioned before that kind of stings for me the most is that we're targeting a class. But but here's what I will say. I get it. It's easy for people that are looking at a ballot and they are reading the ballot explanation and it says, okay, we're going to tax a small group of people that no one in my family is ever going to be or I'm not going to be, and it's going to put almost a billion dollars to fight homelessness per year, and it's not going to cost me a dollar? Yes, 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 yes. Like, it's the easiest yes someone can make. I just feel like the obviously it's going to get voted in. I just don't understand how it can go in in such an arbitrary way. They're like, okay, it's like they had a hat and they're like, you know, they've got this hat and they're like, okay, big money, big money. What's it going to be north of? Right. You're saying how did they choose the number? It's an arbitrary number. I think it was like, you know what's, you know what was surprising? How close it was to not passing. I was shocked. And I've talked to a lot of people who expected it. A lot of people. (laughs) Expected great things. I've spoken to a lot of people who expected this to pass by a narrow margin, and it did. I thought it was going to get slammed. I thought it was going to slam through. You know what it was billed at? Billed as to to jump on what I was saying earlier, and what you were just saying. It was billed as a mansionization tax. A mansionization tax. How many people voting will ever be able to afford a mansion, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, if there's money to be thrown at homelessness and I didn't read the measure, I would vote for it too. What people don't realize, other than, you know, penalizing someone who is successful and working hard and thinking that that's an okay route to this, is how many people that will never be able to afford a mansion or a large house or anything even close are going to be affected in a major way by this. Great segue to what I wanted to say next, which is from the report. The intent of the third recommendation, which was regarding new housing developments, we took a turn and focused more on uh, single-family speculators. But in this case, the intent of the third recommendation exempting new buildings, especially multifamily housing, was to prevent the tax from discouraging much-needed housing production. Both market rate and below market without an exemption for new multifamily housing increased transfer taxes could function as an apartment tax on new developments this concern is exacerbated by the high threshold for the increased tax which would apply to a large apartment building with mostly moderate income households but not a three million dollar home occupied by a very wealthy household Importantly, however, the recommendation to exempt new multifamily housing was based on speculation about the possible impacts of the tax, not an empirical analysis of development trends or other housing market data. So this kind of trickle down thing that you're mentioning 
is it doesn't, like you're saying, it doesn't solve for this inventory crisis that we've had. And we don't have affordable rents in Los Angeles either. So how are we going to now get more affordable housing at scale when there's going to be an apartment tax of this type? Well, that's who gets hurt the most. Forget the owners of the four, five, eight, ten, twenty million dollar yeah, house. They'll just go somewhere else. They'll go they'll to another go city. They'll go somewhere else. They'll move money out of the city. They'll move jobs out of the city. And what'll happen is what, what in the multifamily segment, the apartment buildings, most in the city are valued at over five million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a major tax now automatically as of April first added to anyone wanting to sell one of those buildings. Guess who lives in those buildings? Yeah, lower income people. Lower income people. Middle class. Guess who is going to not pay for these additional taxes? Those smart investors who own these multifamily buildings. Guess who is going to pay? The tenants of the buildings, you know how? The rents are going to go up. Their utilities are going to... Anything they can charge will go up because that owner of the building won't pay those taxes. He will put them on the residents of the building. That's how everyone is affected by this. Just one way. But that's a huge way how the rest of the population is affected by this. They will pay the price as well. So there's a few silver linings here. One is, should the measure pass, and it did, the Los Angeles City Council is empowered to amend the initiative to further its goals, which could include the production of affordable housing. If, for example, the tax leads private developers to build 200 fewer homes for low-income households and taxes on the sale of new apartment buildings only generate enough revenue to build 150, then the council may have the legal authority to revise the city's municipal code and establish an exemption, meaning they can redeploy funds to create housing. And then the second piece of this, before we kind of wrap up here, is that... And we need this badly amended. And I think that is the silver lining is there are ways to amend this. There are ways to move forward and gain from this instead of everyone lose and drive business out of our city. But here's here was the one piece that really stuck with me. And we can kind of cap it here because we're both really, really angry about this. (laughs) Is that when they finish their discussion here, I highlighted this one part. It is worth reemphasizing that the estimated cost of exempting new multifamily buildings is low. And they didn't do that. Surprisingly so, at just $26 million per year. So if that estimate is accurate, it could justify the intervention of city council to exempt multifamily projects sold within three to five years after completion, or to tailor a narrower exemption that applies only to housing built in moderate density zones or that meets other requirements. So... I think the disappointing piece of this is that it would have been very easy for them if they're trying to raise $900 million a year from this tax based on their study. It would have only cost them around $26 million off of that nine hundred to exempt multifamily, and they didn't do it. The good news is, like we just discussed, is that they do have the ability to amend it. And, you know, just like the Torca... Uh, policy in Santa Monica from the, I think, late 70s, 80s, where all of the uh, apartment owners were fleeing Santa Monica selling, they found a middle ground for where tenants were still protected, but owners of multifamily um, would be um, 
would would also not think it, it was worth taking their money elsewhere. I, th- I just do think that it is sad ultimately that we're targeting single family owners. And and also what people forget is that generally someone who has a $5 million house, they're paying way more taxes already than people that are below that. They're in, they're in the highest tax bracket, 40% of their gross adjusted income is tax. I'm sorry. Yes. If their gross adjusted income is taxed already. So it's just how much can California keep piling on until there's an exodus? And I, I've seen a lot of content from a lot of real estate agents all over the country making videos about why you should move to Texas versus California, why you should move to all these different places. And from a financial standpoint, it's like you work your face off as an American. And at the end of the day, the beach is starting to feel like maybe not enough. Well, you know, Biggie said people came here strictly for the weather, women, and the weed. And I think that is why you came. (laughs) And you're not going to leave because of it. But the more we tax the people who are working hard and achieving great success, the more they will leave, the more jobs will leave, the more our city and our state will suffer. We need to reverse this, amend something like this in ways that, yes, let's let's put homelessness up front and figure out how to curb that mental health and illness being at the top of that list. Let's also drive business and people back to our state so it can thrive again. Yeah. And and by the way, the housing market's going to suffer too. And the American dream is is to own a house and to um is to benefit from the equity not to be taxed so anyway yeah 100 percent benefit from the growth and what you're putting into it don't take it away so anyway we're passionate about it i think a lot of people are and uh kind of excited to hear what your thoughts are uh let us know what you think Click in the, you don't want me to say that. I hate Just it. respond. Respond in the comments, you guys. Okay, don't worry. On this topic, there's going to be a lot of responses. Anyway, yeah. guys. And feel free to ask Ben about his uh, blazers. <laughs> How many do you own? Guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of To Live and Buy in Los Angeles. I'm Ben Bell. You can find me pretty much anywhere by typing in my name. And you can find Zach at? Zach Goldsmith 24. And you too can get one of these blazers if you order a cheap <laughs> bottle of scotch for the holidays. It's suit supply in case anyone wants to know. Anyway, guys, Looks like thank it's holding you. on for dear life, by thank- the way. God forbid you'd button that. I'm strong. Thank you guys for tuning in and thank you for being patient with um, this this topic that we're, um, we're passionate about. And I think it's going to be interesting to see over time kind of how it manifests and, and what it does for our city.